Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to this Mountain West Wire podcast. Jeremy Moss here. MWR.com, that's our website. Facebook, Twitter, MWR, MWC Wire, all that. Just search it. You'll find us. Another shorter episode today talking Utah State, Michigan State. Uh, we're chatting with uh, Crowley Sullivan over at SpartansWire.com, who's, hey, same thing as us, Mount West Wire. Thanks for hopping on. We're going to talk some Spart- Spartans and Aggies football today. How you doing, Jeremy? Great to be with you. Doing good. So, this game, it's um, let's just get to start. It's Friday night. Make sure you have Big Ten Network. I guess the carriage stuff is solved, so you don't have to worry about it. Correct? Comcast, yep. uh, all yeah, that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they came to terms, which means the world can continue to revolve on its proper access. I guess. Exactly. Big Ten needs that money, man. Fifty million a school a year. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's where all the money comes from, too. Uh, just ask the Big Ten committee. Ask Jim Delaney why Maryland and Rutgers are in the Big Ten. We know why. Market size. New York's true team in Rutgers, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So this matchup. It'll be it'll be we'll see how it goes. It's uh right now, as the line if you're interested in that, twenty five points for Michigan State. Did go an uptick to Utah State by half a point, so there's progress for the Aggies, I guess. Some people like that line. But for the game itself, we're just gonna get to know this team. Utah State taking on Michigan State. Last time Utah State, Wisconsin last year, they've played Wisconsin a couple years before. So let me ask you ask you this about this Michigan State team because 2016 wasn't all that great. 17 a bit better, right? Because I remember yep. watching a BYU game and like, how did BYU beat them like that? It was kind of weird. Just a couple years ago, oh, yeah. Lansing. That's where I'm at. My yeah. influence. People know I know BYU pretty well. You know they don't like it too much. <laughs> yeah. So well, that 2016 season was a disaster, and there were a lot of people, Jeremy, who were saying that the Mark Antonio era was fading out and maybe Michigan State had done all that it could during this stretch. And for Utah State fans, it's, it's worth a reminder that from 2013 to 2015, Michigan State had its most prolific run in school history with two Big Ten titles, an appearance in the college football playoff. Uh, I think the overall record was 34-5. and five. And... Mark D'Antonio had really established the program as a legitimate top 10 program. Three years in a row, top six finishes in the nation. That 2016, the bottom fell out. State went three and nine, and there were problems in the locker room. There were problems all over the place. Um, On the field, Michigan State had real quarterback issues which is important now because Brian Lewerke not only solved any and all quarterback issues, which he did last year in what was a sensational turnaround season, Brian Lewerke is a legitimate dark horse candidate for the Heisman Trophy. And um, last year's bounce-back season was really important for the Michigan State fan base and obviously the program itself because it, it demonstrated pretty tangibly that that 2016 season was a blip. And uh, Michigan State really reestablished itself um, last year 
And the thing that was probably most important with last year were, were two games that Michigan State just found a way to win, and that was against Michigan, um, who Michigan State is now 8-2 and two against over the last 10 years, and then Penn State, uh, uh, beating Michigan 14-10 to 10 at Ann Arbor, and then beating Penn State 27-24 on a last-second field goal. Those two games, Mark Antonio talks all the time about finding the inches. Mm-hmm. In 2017, Michigan State found the inches, and that was the big difference last year as compared to the 2016 disaster. So looking at who they come back, because that's pretty anomaly. Like They may not have that best stretch coming up, but they're not going to be that bad. They're always – we know what Michigan State is. They're always usually above average in a Big Ten. But what they have that's coming, true. And do you think that's the case? Like, do you think they could keep that I, stretch going that they had a few I, years I, ago? I, I think that what you're about to see is Michigan State returning to maybe not the, <laughs> the, the heights of 2013 to 2015. But first of all, the, the, the team right now that's going to take the field on, on Friday night returns 19 starters from last year. It's 92% of the overall production from last year, that that's by far first in the Big Ten. So they went 10-3 and three last year, and you got 92% of the team coming back. But then next year, Michigan State returns all kinds of guys as well, including Brian Lewerke. And Brian Lewerke really is going to make this team go, offensively speaking anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering whether or not Michigan State is capable of sort of getting back to a sustained elite level of success, I think the answer is yes. And I think it all sort of keys in on Brian Lewerke's ability to lead the team from the quarterback position. Yeah, that's going to bring up. I'm looking who they bring back. It's, like you said, literally everybody. The whole production, starters yeah. back. It's huge. And looking, like, let's stick with offense really quick. I'm looking at, like, S&P yep. Plus and a few numbers there. They bring a lot back, and they're, at least preseason projections, about middle of the pack nationally. Do you think that's yeah. where they will be, or they could be better? Because they looks like they bring back basically every receiver, top running back, all but one offensive lineman. Should should it be better than that with basically everybody returning and guys who are all conference offensive line is going to be amazing. Short answer is yes. <laughs> last year, last year, it, it's interesting if you look at the Big Ten statistics from the end of the season, Michigan State on offense didn't necessarily overpower teams. Like you said, they were middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Um, and, and when you look at the running game in particular, I think Michigan State ended, ended up the season seventh in the Big Ten overall with about 167 yards rushing a game. This year they return, like you said, four out of five starting offensive linemen. And the center that graduated is Brian Allen, part of the, uh, a family of brothers. They're Matt Allen is a freshman now at Michigan State, and he, he is a center. That will be the third Allen brother. Mm. And Jack Allen and Brian Allen are now both in the NFL. So Brian Allen's departure is significant on that offensive line. But the rest of the offensive line, veterans across the line, and huge and athletic and skilled. And the guy that's going to take over for the departing uh, Brian Allen is um, Tyler Higby. And he he's a veteran. He's played guard. He's played a little bit of center. My point here is this. The offensive line is poised to finish in the top three in the Big Ten when it comes to rushing overall. So that, that the ground game, there is every reason to believe 
that Michigan State can get back to what Michigan State fans have referred to as pound green pound mm-hmm. during the D'Antonio era. This game is going to be interesting to see if Michigan State can really assert itself on the ground. One thing that Utah State fans should probably keep in mind is during the D'Antonio era, Michigan State has been rusty in the first three games. Mm -hmm. And if you look back over the course of the last handful of seasons, tight games with Western Michigan, a tight game with uh, South Florida, uh, you know, they don't necessarily come out of the gates busting through the doors. This game could be closer than people think. Um, But what Michigan State is going to try to do over the course of the game is assert itself on the ground. You know, another thing that's interesting about Michigan State is time of possession. Michigan State, I believe, finished the year last year second in the nation in time of possession, either second or third. It might not be the most exciting brand of football, but it wins wins games. And that's going to be a key, not just on Friday night, but all season long. And then, as I was alluding to, kind of the the efforts that Michigan State now is putting forth to kind of reestablish itself as as an elite program. Yeah, there were, it looks like them in Wisconsin, teams like to run the ball, Navy, Army, Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, Air Force, yeah, all, the, right. all the running teams, right. time possession. That's right. <laughs> so, and, you know, you, you, you touched on um, the receivers. You, you mentioned that uh, when we were kind of touching on all the returners from last year's Michigan State team, Brian Lewerke had weapons at receiver. So despite the fact that Michigan State is such a ground-heavy game, or at the very least tries to be a ground-heavy team, you've got three guys. Felton Davis, who's going to be in the NFL next year. You've got Daryl Stewart, Cam Chambers, and then Cody White. So you have four guys, actually. All four of those guys are dangerous. Cody White and Felton uh, Davis are big guys, too. 6'3", 6'4", type guys who can go up and make catches. So it's a pretty balanced offense, despite the fact that there, first of all, is the stereotypical kind of, um, you know, uh, just notion that Michigan State is going to run the ball, which they want to. Lewerke has options at wide receiver. That's what it seems like. So the offense is loaded. Let's go with defense really quick because Utah – Sure. I need to state really quick. I don't know what they're going to do. Their defense isn't what it was with Gary Anderson there. It's getting a little bit better because they're not having Bobby Wagner back there, not having the Vigil brothers who spend time in NFL. They're not having these great guys on this defense. So they're getting closer to that, but it's still not what it was. It's better. It's going to be better than last year, but, geez, like you said, the offensive lines, like I don't know how Utah State's going to stop it. They also lose Jalen Davis, who was an All-American, who's really good last year. He's gone, so it's like, man, they're going to have a tough time. I was looking, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I That's okay. I looking at um... – I was looking at Utah State's um, just overall numbers from last year. I think those two guys, Davis and another guy that graduated in the secondary, were responsible for nine of the team's 13 interceptions. That sounds about right. So those are, yeah, you, you got two guys that aren't there anymore that were a part of a defense that I think, while it might not have been as stout as it was during the Gary Anderson era, they were uh, opportunistic, and I think they created 29 turnovers over the course of the entire season, which is more than Michigan State did last year. Michigan State only had 28 turnovers. So Utah State, somehow or another, they're going to have to find ways to take the ball away. And if Michigan State can protect the ball, I, I do think that it will be tough for that Utah State front to, to you know, over the course of mm-hmm. four quarters – um, go toe to toe with Michigan State's ground game. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Like I remember watching Jalen Davis when 
the Utah State was just okay last year. Went to the bowl game. They're just about average. The Utah State game mm-hmm. and BYU. He had three picks. I think two touchdowns. He had three of the on the year. So yeah, great player. So great he player. It's, to replace him. I know they have a JUCO guy coming in, but we'll see how that goes. But Michigan State's defense. Well, we pumped up the offense. Defense is it going to be like one of the best in the country, like top five maybe? Is it that good? Yes. You think? And I, 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 I'm I'm impressed that you would ask the question because <laughs> in in Big Ten country. All anyone talks about is Michigan's defense. Now, Michigan's defense is great. It's a terrific defense. But last year, Michigan State had the number two rushing defense in the country, and the defense returns virtually everyone. Yeah. The one thing that Michigan State has to be able to do a better job of on the defensive side is um, pass rush. So Kenny Willickis, who was a former walk-on, and this is another thing Michigan State does, and it's, it's kind of amazing. These guys – Jack Conklin, who is now in the NFL, he's an all-pro offensive tackle. He was recruited by nobody and was drafted in the first round by the Tennessee Titans years ago. And is a good example of the way the Michigan State program really does indeed find diamonds in the rough. Kenny Willick is at defensive end is one of those diamonds in the rough. He was a walk-on, and last year he had a pretty much a breakout season. He had seven sacks and 14-and-a-half tackles for loss. One of the reasons why the 2016 Michigan State team that went 3-9 and nine was such a disaster was because of the inability to get into the backfield and get sacks. In 2016, there were only 11 sacks that Michigan State recorded. Last year, 28 sacks. There you go. And, yeah, and, and Kenny Willick has had a big part in that, not just his own ability to get to the quarterback, but he was by the middle of the season causing opposing offensive lines to double team him, which of course freed things up for the interior. The, the Michigan State's interior defensive line is, is fantastic. There's like four or five different guys that are just going to be rotating all game long. They're going to shut down the run just like they did last year. Reminder, number two team in the nation in rushing defense. Mm-hmm. The question is, can somebody on that opposite end of Willickis end up providing a pass rush. And it's going to be up to Jacob Panishup and Jack Camper. And D'Antonio is really high on both of those guys coming out of preseason camp. The other thing on defense with regard to Michigan State is Joe Bocci. Joe Bocci at middle linebacker um, may end up being the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. He may end up being a consensus All-American. There's a lot of great linebackers out there. But when all is said and done, Joe Bocci is as good as anybody there is across the country. And that includes Devin Bush at Michigan. They, they, that, the Michigan-Michigan State game on October 20th is going to be a hell of a battle. And watching those two guys on the field throughout the course of the game is going to be really exciting. On Friday night, I would expect Joe Bocci and the entire defense to be up to the task. Um, the, the one thing that in looking at Utah State that really that jumped out at me, really did jump out at me, was that offensive line five returning starters and every one of them is 300 pounds or more those are veterans four out of five are are seniors and the one guy's a junior if if utah state can get something going on the ground and then mix in a couple of big plays here or there it can be a game but there's no doubt that michigan your question was a great one can michigan state's defense be one of the best in the nation realistically it should be that's what it seems like and with utah state like sticking their offense here they've 
struggled with the running game for geez, even though like Devontae Mays, who barely played, got hurt. He's with the Packers doing decent things. Lawan Hunt's gone. They mm-hmm. that's the area where it's just been. Cause I remember a couple years in a row they had guys getting picked up in the NFL playing with the Seahawks, like back to back running backs going out there doing good things. But now it's been like ugh, it's just been a slog. A part of it is I think Utah State fans think about it. They were the worst of the worst. One twenty out of one twenty with Brent Guys head coach. They were doing not playing a home game until mid October, playing at Texas, yeah. at Auburn, at yeah. Alabama to make a paycheck. Uh-huh. Then they're finally ten wins, getting near the conference title game, doing those great things. And then past couple yep. of years, it's tough. One thing about them, two things real quick. Close games, they struggle. I think they're one in twelve of the past thirteen of one position games, eight or less, and that's it's a huge deal. You can't wow. do that. And so, not that this game will come down to that, I don't think. But they, when it gets close, there something happens. But I think let me ask you this because I know the Michigan State defense is going to be really good. Utah State's offense is probably a little bit different than what typical Big Ten stuff does because with right. David Yost there, right. they want to spread it out. It's year two of a system where it wants to go wide, three, four wide. They have all the returners back. Dax Raymond, tight ends, one of the best in conference. Um, yep. You got run, run, best good name, Rontavian Carver, who's really good as well out there. So if the running game gets going, that's a way they can make some noise. But how is there any concern or would Michigan State would normally face with an offense that wants to pass more than what you see in the Big Ten? Because we know they, Wisconsin runs the ball. Every team wants to run the ball. You know what I mean? It's not a similar type of offense they always see. Is that an area where Utah State might have a few big plays? Like, oh, crap, they had a 50-yard touchdown pass or have a drive where they go four or six because they hurry up and every pass is 15-plus yards. Yeah, um, here's what I would say about that. First of all, I would add to your list of pretty impressive players on the Utah State side, the quarterback. I love that kid. Bryce Bryce Love, or excuse me, not uh, Bryce Love. Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Um, uh, He's tall, he's rangy, he's athletic, and he's get, he now enters into this season as the man. That's, that, that offense is his as compared to last year when I think he entered the season competing with the senior. If I'm, if yeah, I'm they mistaken. split back and forth with Kent Myers, who himself started yeah. as a true freshman. They went back and forth injuries. It's 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 been a mess because even with Chucky Keaton years ago, he came back like, all right, let's let him play. He wasn't the same after all the knee injuries. And so you're right. This is the time he's going to be the guy. None of those look, none of that looking over the shoulder. I made one bad play. I'm going to get pulled. It's him the whole game. And Yosting, he looks bigger and stronger and better. And there's a lot of people are optimistic about him and the running game. So we'll see. But quarterback, that's a big deal, I think. Of course. And so back to your question, um, that – I'll repeat, that offensive line, at least on paper, it looks really impressive. 300 pounds across the board and all five returning guys, so you know that the chemistry is there. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can get a little bit of a ground game going, Michigan State has been, over the years, susceptible to big plays. There are, from time to time, lapses, particularly in the secondary. And I don't know if you you remember back during that great stretch that I referred to at the beginning of our talk from 2013 to 2015, Michigan State secondary, everybody you know around East Lansing referred to that as the no-fly zone. That was a lot of fun. And Darquez Denard, Trey Waynes, NFLers that are still playing in the NFL. The, the secondary has not performed up to that level in the last few years. And in like the second day of preseason camp, Josiah Scott, who was a preseason all big 10 corner, went out with an injury. So 
Josh Butler, who's a junior, and, and, and he's, he's had a lot of playing time, and, and he's not, it's not like he's inexperienced. He will step into the role where Josiah Scott was. That secondary, it, there's tons of potential there. However, they're susceptible. Every once in a while, you can um, find little holes, and, and especially if an offense is able to lull that secondary to sleep a little bit with a bit of a ground game. So that's one area where Utah State might be able to have some success. It'll be, I think, because Utah State, like, people are convincing me, like, 10 wins, 11 wins maybe. I'm like, oh, that's a bit high, what they've done. Like, I don't expect this game to be, a, like, a Utah State win, but let's give you – let's just kind of wrap this up here. What's your overall feeling your prediction or how the outcome of the game will be? Sure. I think I mentioned it's just over three touchdown favorite, which – that's all the points. Twenty four. What did it get to about twenty points? It's hard to say. Yeah, they're going to get to cover that many points. Is this a game where you just I, where Michigan State could maybe do that? I don't. I, I think. I think Michigan State um, is not necessarily going to be explosive in this game. I think you're going to see Michigan State really try to assert itself on the ground. They may have a little bit of trouble at the outset. I, I don't anticipate this being some sort of a, a crazy blowout. Um, I think it'll be closer uh, than people expect. I think that Utah State covers, if that's, what, if, if, if that's a direct question. Um, I think Michigan State is probably going to um, uh, end up scoring somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 points. Okay. And then, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 30 to 16 type of a ball game. And, you know, I really wouldn't I'll be surprised if Michigan State does indeed blow out Utah State um, they just haven't historically in the, uh, in the last few years anyway in, in season openers in the first couple of games um, and I think Utah State is a pretty good team so you know maybe 30 to 14 30 to 16 somewhere in there Well, that makes sense if we go that that route there. It looks like we may have lost Crowley with us. We'll wrap this up. Let me give him a text real quick and say his phone dropped out. He's hanging out in New York City. So that's a good prediction. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Got you back now. I mentioned yeah. it dropped off. No, we're good. You said I'll fix that part. You said 30, 14, 30, 16. That's about right. Yeah, it'll, it'll be close there. enough where yeah. Spartans fans might be a little edgy if it's only two touchdown victory. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Spartan fans will be a little edgy for most of the game because they'll be expecting Michigan State to just explode. I don't anticipate that scene. Or I don't anticipate seeing that happen. Excuse me. All right, let me ask you this since we're wrapping up here. You're Michigan State guy. What If there's any Utah State fans, I, hopefully there's a couple going out there, what should they do? It's a Friday night game. What should they be doing when they go to town? East Lansing is one of the classic college towns. Um, there are any of 50 different taverns to go have a great time. Um, I'll throw out a few. Uh, the Peanut Barrel um, on East Grand River is the best place to go before the game. Sit out on the patio, have a burger, have a couple of pitchers. Um, you're right on the main drag where you're able to see the campus and the tailgating going on directly across the street with all the excitement on the main drag of campus. Um, the Land Shark is another great place to go. P.T. O'Malley's is another great place to go. Beggar's Banquet is another great place to go. All of those places, you can get something good to eat. There's plenty of TVs and, of course, plenty of refreshments. 
Exactly. So is there going to be much t- Friday night game, not much tailgating, I'm assuming, or will they take the, some work off? Because it is a season opener, regardless of opponent. Do people want to show up early, maybe, to hang out in the stadium, parking lot stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hollis, the, the former athletic director for Michigan State, started this maybe seven, eight years ago um, in an effort to give people uh, the, the chance to um, enjoy the rest of their Labor Day weekend. And um, so Michigan State fans have come to expect a Friday night game for the season opener, and there's just as many people going crazy and having a great time on campus and all throughout East Lansing all day long. I would expect it to be, first of all, a full house, and I would expect every bit of the fun and excitement and pageantry all across campus, even though it's a Friday night game. Excellent. Should be good. We got... I'll say one last thing. Okay. There is there – is, um, there, there are major expectations uh, for the Michigan State fan base for this year's team. And so th- there's a lot of excitement. If Utah State fans are going to East Lansing, first of all, I think that they'll be really impressed. It's a beautiful place. The campus is gorgeous. The stadium's great, and the town is fantastic. But there will be a real buzz about it. Um, lots of expectations from, from Michigan State fans going into the season here. Is it like playoff expectations, you think? Yeah. Um, you know, you might not get a Michigan State fan to say it out loud, <laughs> but you, you got Michigan and Ohio State at home. You got 92% of your returning productivity back on the field coming from a team that finished 10-3 and last year. There are Big Ten championship expectations and college football playoff aspirations. So what do you think? Is that going to happen? <laughs> uh <laughs> I actually, on Spartans Wire, um, put out my predictions game by game. And um, some people think I'm crazy, which I'm, I'm really used to. <laughs> but uh, I, have, I have Michigan State going undefeated this season and making it to the college football playoffs. Well, if they go undefeated, that's probably going to be the case when the Big Ten beating up on if of they, course. all those other teams. But stuff happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all right, so. The, 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 the biggest game for State. Um, that is the biggest challenge is Penn State on the road. That's tough. That will be a tough one. Penn State, Michigan should yeah. be pretty good. So it'll be really quick. Yeah. One last thing quick. Is Notre Dame ever going to join the schedule again? Or are they playing this year? Am I just miss something? No, you, 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 uh, you're not missing anything. That's a great question. Um, Michigan State and Notre Dame have played one another 79 times. And the first game was played in 1897. There's only one team that Michigan State has played more than Notre Dame. And it's Michigan. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State fans have always loved that rivalry. It's too bad now due to Notre Dame's pseudo-ACC inclusion, whatever we want to call that. Um, the next time Notre Dame is on the schedule is, I think, 2029. So well, I don't know where I'll be in 2029. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> But I'm, I hope I'm around to be able to watch that because it's too bad. It is a great rivalry. That's a, it's a good one. It's all the expansion, like said, the ACC, five-game minimum, all that stuff. They are, they're going to play weird. USC, Stanford, no matter whatever year. Even Michigan, it's not they're not playing every year as they basically have, Notre Dame and Michigan. So it's a, it stinks. I'm yep. a Texas guy, a Texas, Texas A&M. I haven't played in forever. Been to a few of those games Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving night. Right. And it's yeah. it's sad. It's not there. I I, I love it, but it's uh, I don't know. It's a cost for money. I get the price we pay for money. I don't know. We're not getting any of it, but it ha- whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Hey, did I see that um, that that Texas reached out to Texas A and M to to ask for a home and home, and Texas A and M said no? Probably. I there's something like that. There's also yeah. the bowl game a couple years ago where they're like, I forget which side, so I don't want to blame either one, but. I think it was SEC side saying we're not going to play. We if we're mad, yeah, do whatever you yeah. can to not put us in a bowl game against Texas. It's it's ridiculous. They're a couple hours apart. They should it's, play one another. They should they, play one a, another every year. It's like I get it. Play it. It's it's a great game. Texas A&M can still play that November game against Citadel or the SEC yeah. week that Cupcake Week that they have. But it's like just play it. Play one great yep. team and then play North Texas. Play Rice. Play something like that's not an amazing opponent. It's fine. But play Texas. It should be done. Sure. So that's all I got. But Totally agree. Yep. Th- thank you for hopping on. So everybody, check out Crawley Sullivan stuff, uh, SpartansWire.com. We're kind of partners in this thing, buddies with the USA Today uh, sports media group. Twitter, same thing, Crowley Sullivan. Um, anything Michigan State, check it out. For he already, I'm already looking now. I've got a ton of stuff on Utah State this week. So head over to the Twitter, their website over there, and it'll be it'll be a fun opening weekend. So thanks for hopping on. Really enjoyed it, Jeremy. Thanks very much.